0: our Bloom Carroll campus, aka otherwise known as Pastor Dwight in Tammy's living room. I'd like to welcome everyone that has gathered with us in this means this morning as we um, just have our, our, our church service. Obviously, this is not the ideal circumstance and situation in which we would gather, but nevertheless, we're actually really grateful that we're still able to gather together in this format. So, before I begin my message, there's just a couple of announcements that I'd like to share with you all uh, as we get started. The first is that yesterday, our eldership and leadership team sent out an email detailing all of the decisions that we've made for the month of December. And so we would like to, uh, you know, encourage you if you haven't already to please go and read that because that will keep you informed and up to date on all the things that we have going on. Uh, In addition to that, if you have not received the email please reach out to uh, our leadership team or our elders and we will make sure that we will forward that email to you because it's important for you to be uh, updated on all of that information. The last thing that I will share is that today is Pastor Dwight and Tammy's 75th (laughs) wedding anniversary. I'm I'm declaring it. I'm I'm prophesying this morning. It's actually their 40th year wedding anniversary, and so we congratulate them this morning. Uh, You know, we are grateful for such an amazing accomplishment. Uh, Pastor Dwight and Tammy, thank you guys for modeling marriage uh, so well for so many people, inspiring people uh, with the way that you guys uh, are married. Uh, Well, as I get started uh, this morning, uh, there's a couple of things that have been brewing on my heart uh, over the month of November that I want to share with you. And so I just want to kind of detail just at the beginning some of those things that we're going to be talking about over the next two weeks. The first thing that I uh, really want to talk about is I want to encourage you by reminding you of, of the power of the gospel to bring true transformation in the hearts of people. The second thing that I want to encourage you with this is, is I want to encourage you that uh, I want to I talk to you about the inevitable conflict that comes When the message of the gospel is preached without contamination. That's important because there are diluted messages of the gospel that are being preached. But there is an inevitable conflict that will come when the true, authentic, pure message of the gospel is preached without contamination. What do I mean by that? Well, Paul actually addressed this in 1 Corinthians 1.18. He said, to preach the message of the cross... Seems like sheer nonsense to those who are on their way to destruction. But to us who are on our way to salvation, it is the mighty power of God released within us. What that tells us is that as we move forward into the future realities of our culture, we will have to be prepared to deal with the inevitable conflict of what will come from the truth that we believe in, and those who are on their way to destruction, it is a reality that we are going to have to face with the face. And so the third thing that I want to talk to you about this morning is actually probably next week is I want to talk to you about what we need to do so that we become the agents of transformation in this broken world. And I want to speak to all of those things under this heading to turn the world upside down. So as we begin this morning, once again, I want to thank you for joining us. Will you just, wherever you are, will you bow your heads, close your eyes, and join me in prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for the reality, the privilege, Lord, that we can gather together in this format. God, though it is not ideal, Lord, we understand in the circumstances that we are in, we have to be flexible. We have to be pliable. We have to be able to adjust. And so, God, we thank you That we have the grace to be able to do that. And we have the opportunity through this means to still gather together and remain connected. Father, we pray right now, Father, for divine healing and quick recovery, Father, for everyone. Father, not only in this nation, but in our city and in our state, God, that has been impacted and affected with COVID, Lord. We ask for your grace to be upon them. We pray for strength. To come to their innermost man. Mm -hmm. Father, we thank you for those in our body that are sick, Lord. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you would strengthen them in their inner man. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn the world upside down. And in a lot of different contexts, that phrase and that terminology can be negative, or it can also be positive, though. But in the sake of, uh, for the sake of this context, for the sake of this message, I want to kind of highlight what I mean when I say turn the world upside down. When I when I think of that phrase, I actually think about the radical transforming power of the message of Jesus Christ. When I think of that phrase, I think of the picture of Jesus in the temple flipping over or turning tables over. That's a picture of what the message of the kingdom of God does in the heart of people. Listen to me this morning. The message of Jesus Christ can and will turn the world upside down. And it isn't something negative, it's actually something beautiful and something so desperately needed. Because listen to me, I don't know about you, but as I look back at this year that we are living in and we are living through, I cannot help but think of the reality that all of man's attempts to fix issues and correct problems and heal divides are just falling a little bit short. They're like putting a band-aid on a broken bone. It's, it's a temporary solution, but it's not a permanent one. The truth is that humanity is limited in its solutions to issues. But the Bible says with God, all things are possible. Wherever you are, just say all things are possible with God. It's not just enough. What we, what we have to provide is not just enough. We need something else with greater power to bring true and authentic transformation to people in every sense of the word. And I'm here to encourage you this morning that the message of Jesus Christ has that power. Paul said in Romans, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for in it is power for salvation. Salvation means so much, so many different things, but the truth is that the world we live in needs salvation in every sense of the word. Word and the the power of Jesus Christ or the message of Jesus Christ has the power to bring that transformation. When I think of the power that the message of Jesus Christ has, I think of what Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 9 through 11. I'm going to read it from the message translation. It says this, it says, unjust people who don't care about God will not be joining in his kingdom. Those who use and abuse each other, use and abuse sex, use and abuse the earth and everything in it don't qualify as citizens in God's kingdom. Now, just reading that first part of that, uh, that scripture isn't really encouraging, but I want you to listen to the words of the next part. And it goes on to say in the message translation, A number of you know from experience what I'm talking about. For not so long ago, you were on that list. But since then, you've been cleaned up and given a fresh start by Jesus, our Master, our Messiah, and by our God, present in us, the Spirit. How many of you are thankful this morning that who you are now is not who you used to be? There's so many of us that have a testimony, so many of us, that have experienced the transforming message of Jesus Christ. And there are so many people who have yet to experience that. And we are the agents, we are the messengers of the message that we have been impacted by so greatly. See, the message of Jesus Christ has transformational power. And if it hadn't back when Paul wrote his epistles, it still has that same power today. The message of Jesus Christ is not an unshort supply of power. It is still true and still relevant in this hour that we are living in. I'll never forget when Jesus turned my world upside down. I was 13 years old. I was in 8th grade. matter of fact, Pastor Dwight was my junior high basketball coach. And if you remember back at this time, this was about uh, probably over 20 years ago, uh, a little bit over 20 years ago, but back at this time, if you were at Redeemer's Church, you remember Pastor Dwight had a trimmed fro. He could probably have grown it, grew, grew it out, but he, he kind of maintenanced it for a professional look, and at that time, he was still rocking a, a nice, almost half-handlebar mustache, and, and so Pastor Dwight was my coach. He's laughing right now, sorry, <laughs> but but uh, Pastor Dwight was my basketball coach, and But he wasn't just a basketball coach, he was the youth pastor here at Redeemer's Church. And I remember being invited to a winter camp and and, and we had a speaker and he was preaching the message of Jesus Christ. And I was in the back row and I'm telling you, my heart was pumping, it was pounding. I was being shaken to the core and I knew if I didn't go to the altar, I knew that I would fall short of everything that God had for me in my life. And when I went to the altar, I'm telling you, my life got flipped upside down. My life got turned upside down. Pastor Dwight talked about this three weeks ago, where we need to, we need to be all in. We need to put all of our chips in, to use a poker phrase. We need to, to cash it all in and be fully surrendered. And that was my moment when I experienced the message of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ flipping my world upside down. I experienced the transformational power of it. Are there any of you that can agree with me? Are there any of you? Listen, in 2020, I want you to remember your testimony. I want you to remember what happened in your life, in the midst of everything that can be so discouraging. I want you to recall, recall the days of your youth when God ravished your heart When he captivated your soul, when you experienced this beautiful uh, experience, transformation of him turning your life upside down for the better. See, that night, when I went to that altar call, I experienced what it was like to have the message of Jesus Christ turn my life upside down. This is what the message does. It's not power. It's, it's not passive, it's demonstrative, and it's powerful. And listen to me, Jesus actually encouraged his disciples to pray for their world to be turned upside down. And we see that in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. It's a very familiar passage of scripture in the Sermon on the Mount. We go here to learn how to pray, and Jesus says this. He says, pray then in this way, in verse 9. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When you actually think about what that will do when the kingdom of God comes, what it really implies is that there are things in this world that will get turned upside down. See, I think it's fascinating to consider that when you read what Jesus instructed his disciples to pray, What he was alluding to and what he was communicating was that everything on earth, everything that humans can provide as a solution is not enough in and of itself. We still need the invasion of the kingdom of God to come to the earth because there are only solutions that the kingdom of God can bring to transform the heart and the soul of humanity. See, how many of you realize that in order for the kingdom of heaven to come to earth, there will have to be some things on earth that get turned upside down? Why? Because there is a reality that some of the things that exist on the earth cannot and will not coexist with the kingdom of heaven. In order for God's kingdom to come and God's will to be done, we have to come to grips with the reality that there's going to have to be some conflict and there will be some friction. Why? Jesus said, he said this, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. It's a different kingdom. And the nature of his kingdom is in opposition to the kingdoms of this world. Some of you may be asked, may be continuing to ask, well, why, ne- why necessarily will there be conflict? Well, here's why. Because we have a real enemy of our soul, which is the ruler of this world, according to John 14, 30. And he is not just going to peacefully hand over what he has worked so hard to grab a hold of. He's going to do everything he can to keep hold of what he has worked so hard to obtain. That's why there's going to be conflict and friction. Let me remind you of what Ephesians says in chapter 6, verse 12. For our struggle, if you're right wherever you are, say our struggle. You know what that means? That means that no one is going to fight for you. Every one of us has a role to play in this spiritual battle that is taking place in the souls of men. And in our hearts and in our minds, there is a battle that is real that is being waged in the heavens right now. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness. In the heavenly places. If you want to know what needs to be turned upside down in this world, it's those things on that list. Don't get lulled into sleep believing the lie that the devil is going to take any types of breaks in stealing, killing, and destroying. He knows his time is short. So, what we have to understand is that for the kingdom of God to come, there will have to be conflict, there will be a struggle, there will be a war. This is why Jesus said these types of things. See, these these scriptures I'm going to read are ones that don't get brought up a lot in messages. But listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 10, 34. He said, perhaps you think I've come to spread peace and calm over the earth. Let me just stop right here. What Jesus was saying was that he wasn't a hippie spreading love and good vibes everywhere. This is important Because there is a steady trend rising that is becoming more and more apparent within the American church (laughs) Mm -hmm. to not talk about controversial Mm -hmm. biblical truths that would produce any conflict in culture Mm -hmm. unless it is a conflict agreed on by our Mm -hmm. culture. We are in this world. We're not of it. We are not to address moral issues only if they take precedence in the culture. We are to address them because God has already spoken about them in His Word, and they matter to Him. The pulpit is not the place to placate the masses. It is a place to preach the truth of God's Word, which is always relevant because it is is timeless, because it is eternal in nature. Going back to Matthew chapter 10 verse 34, Jesus said, perhaps you think I've come to spread peace and calm over the earth. I want you to listen to the note in my Bible that speaks on this verse. It says, Jesus did not come to bring the kind of peace that glosses over deep differences just for the sake of superficial harmony. Conflict and disagreements will arise between those who choose to follow Christ and those who don't. What that means is that Jesus came to turn the world upside down with the truth of his word. Now, let's go back to that, that scripture uh, about when Jesus said, do you think I've come to, to just bring peace and calm all over the earth? See, there's a difference between peacekeeping and peacemaking. And this is important in 2020 right now. Here's one of the main differences. Peacekeeping will compromise truth to minimize conflict. Mm-hmm. Peacekeeping will compromise truth to minimize conflict. It's called walking on eggshells so you don't offend anyone. Mm -hmm. It's called ignoring the real issues. It's called only talking about stuff that doesn't rub anyone in the wrong way. It's called allowing the elephant in the room to remain in the room. But listen to me. Jesus didn't call us to be peacekeepers He called us to be peacemakers. Mm -hmm. And if you are going to be a peacemaker, you are going to have to confront sin and lies and deception with the truth of God's word. The church is not the place where we ignore the issues or the sin in our culture or in the church. It is the place where we talk about what needs to be talked about. What does that mean? That means we do not avoid issues like homosexuality. Like pornography, like abortion, like racism, like the love of money being the root of all evil, etc., 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 down the line. We don't avoid those things and just preach happy-go-lucky-feel-good messages, because that's not the entirety of the Scripture. Listen to me this morning. If we choose to go down that road as Redeemer's Church... We will, be, by default, become peacekeepers who will compromise truth to avoid conflict. Mm-hmm. And that is not who we are. See, we have, we have dug our feet in the <laughs> trenches and made a determination that we are going to be a church that stands for truth and love. See, conflict is inevitable when there's a collision of two kingdoms. You know why? Because the gospel is good news, but it's not good news to everybody. There, were, there will be people that are dead set and determined on a life of destruction. And so I sense in my spirit the urgent need for believers to speak up and speak out for what is righteous and what is wrong. Because there is a rising fear in men to be canceled, to be rejected, to experience judgment or criticism, persecution, if you stand against the current of our culture. But let me remind you, we are in this world, but we are not of it. It is actually... Uh, the kingdom of God is countercultural. But I'm telling you, it's what people need. Because the solutions that humanity is trying to provide are just not enough. Mm-hmm. Let me remind you of Hebrews 1039 said to encourage you. We are not among those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith for the safekeeping of the soul. We've got to speak up and speak out for the truth of God's word. Going back to Matthew 10, 34, Jesus goes on to say, Perhaps you think I've come to spread peace and calm over the earth, but my coming will bring conflict and division, not peace. Other translations say, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Ain't nobody reading that singing kumbaya. That's just the reality. True peace is what you have when you build something on the foundation of truth. Jesus reiterates the conflict that the kingdom will produce in the world once again in Luke twelve forty nine through 53. Uh, it says this, it says, I have come to set the world on fire, and I wish it were already burning. I have have a terrible baptism of suffering ahead of me, and I am under a heavy burden until it is accomplished. Do you think I have come to bring peace to the earth? No. I have come to divide people against each other. Now this is just crazy. Jesus is promising that there will be a day when this is reality. From now on, families will be split apart. Three in favor of me and two against, or two in favor and three against. Father will be divided against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and vice versa. See, there's a sobering reality here that we could see families divided and people in our church leave because we would address truths in God's Word that we all don't agree on. Let me remind you of what 2 Timothy 4, verse 1 and 4 says. Timothy, in the presence of our great God and our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who is destined to judge judge both the living and the dead by the revelation of his kingdom, I solemnly instruct you to proclaim the word of God and stand upon it no matter what. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I I rise to the occasion and preach when it is convenient and when it is not. Preach in the full expression of the Holy Spirit. With wisdom and patience as you instruct and teach the people. For the time is coming when they will no longer listen and respond to the healing words of truth because they will become selfish and proud. They will seek out teachers with soothing words that line up with their desires, saying just what they want to hear. They will close their ears to the truth and believe nothing but fables and myths. The truth of God's words is amazing, but it is also conflictive. And it will produce struggle and tension in in others and in ourselves until we come into agreement and alignment with the truth of God's Word. In other words, the world and ourselves will be turned upside down. So let's take a look at An example of the message of Jesus Christ turning the world upside down and how that happens. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 17, verses 1 and 6, or 1 through 6. As you're flipping to that, Paul is on a second missionary journey. He is traveling with Silas, and they have recently been in two cities uh, in Greece, Amphipolis and Apollonia, and now they are in Thessalonica. Thessalonica is where Paul would later write the Thessalonian letters to, um, but at this time in Acts, Thessalonica has yet to hear the Gospel. Thessalonica was a very prominent city, uh, it was a wealthy and influential city, it was a, a major trade city. Um, but it's interesting to note that Thessalonica was named after Alexander the Great's sister, but what's more interesting than that is the meaning of Thessalonica in Greek, and this is what it is. Victory through deception. Victory through deception. Listen to me, there is a spirit at work in American culture right now that is trying to attain and hold victory through deception. So many, in so many circumstances and situations, if you don't think that name of that city was a symbol of a demonic principality that needed to be overthrown by the message of Jesus Christ, you're deceiving yourself. Acts 17 verse 1 goes on to say this, Now when they had traveled through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And according to Paul's custom, he visited them, and for three Sabbaths, reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and giving evidence... That the Christ, that is the Messiah, had to suffer and rise from the dead. And saying, this Jesus who I proclaim to you is the Christ. In verse 4, now watch what happens. Some of you and some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas. Along with a large number of God-fearing Greeks and a significant number of leading women. But listen to this next part of what happens. But the Jews, after the message of Jesus Christ was preached... And it was salvation to those who uh, who heard it, but it also was an aversion, or it also was detested from those who were on a pathway of destruction. We see this in verse 5. But the Jews becoming jealous and taking along some wicked men from the marketplace formed a mob and set the city in an uproar. And they attacked the house of Jason were seeking to bring them out to the people. How many of you see that the gospel quickly caused some conflict? Mm -hmm. And it goes on to say, but the Jews becoming jealous in verse five, taking along some wicked men from the marketplace, formed a mob and set the city in an uproar and they attacked the house of Jason and they were seeking to bring them out to the people. And listen to the accusations they're they're, uh, saying here. Because remember, when the kingdom of God comes to earth, It turns the world upside down. When they did not find them, they began dragging Jason and some brothers before the city authorities shouting, These men who have upset the world have come here as well. Listen to me this morning. That is one of the reactions that happens and takes place when the message of Jesus Christ is brought to a city The gospel of Jesus Christ shakes cities and it shakes nations and it causes people to react that way. These men who have upset the world have come here. The Passion Translation actually says it this way. Those troublemakers who have turned the world upside down have come to our city. Listen to what Matthew Henry has to say about this. He says, They would have thought, that the preachers of the gospel were mischief makers wherever they came because they persuaded people to turn from idols to the living and true God. From malice and envy to love and peace, they are charged with causing trouble all over the world when it was only the kingdom of the devil in the world that they were overturning. I love that. I don't know about you, but I want to excite you and inspire you this morning. To be a person whose presence in your family, in your city, in your country, makes trouble for the enemy. I want to cause some trouble in the enemy's camp. Mm -hmm. And that's what happens when you start to take the truth of God's word. And you apply it in your home, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, wherever you go. Because listen to me, the trouble that you are making is that you are awakening people to kingdom truth that exposes the deception that they've been living under. You and I shall know the truth, and the truth shall set us free. We're not called to keep peace with the world, but to turn the world upside down, which is actually turning the world right side up. See, that's what the kingdom does. Those who are on the path of destruction are going to see it as... As, 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 as the message of Jesus Christ, turning the world upside down. But the kingdom perspective is that we are turning it right side up. We are restoring it to what God intended it to be. See, we're not called to keep peace with the world, but to turn the world upside down in the tr- with the truth of God's word. So that his kingdom will come, his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The gospel of Jesus Christ and the truth of God's word can turn every facet of culture and society upside down. Even businesses and economies will change with, when the message of Jesus Christ comes. We actually, we actually have a, a testimony of, of, of a world turning upside down when we think of Pastor Dwayne in Burundi. We have a whole country that actually is being transformed by the message of Jesus Christ. If you want a biblical example, you can read it for yourselves. In Acts chapter 19, verses 23 through 29, Demetrius the silversmith was going to lose his idol-making business because Paul came to Ephesus. They were losing their, their livelihood because the message of Jesus Christ was bringing transformation to the The whole city where people were, were no longer purchasing the idols, and Demetrius comes and he says, we got to come up with a game plan. Because they are turning Ephesus upside down. That's the message and the power of the transforming message of Jesus Christ. These men who have upset the world, or turned the world upside down, have come here also. This is what happens when the message of Jesus Jesus Christ gets preached. As I close, I just want to remind you of a couple things that I talked about. We desperately... I don't know if you feel this way, but we desperately need the power of the gospel to bring true transformation in our broken world. I think one of the things, personally, that 2020 has revealed with so so much devastation, so much adversity, so much calamity, is that we see over and over again that, that our world is broken. We need the kingdom of God to come. And we're actually the messengers of that. The the good news and the transformation that we've experienced. We have the privilege and we actually have the obligation to spread that same message around the world. Every solution that the world can attempt to provide is just falling short of that transforming, of transforming the the human heart. I'm reminded of a, a point from Pastor Dwight's message about three weeks ago. He said, stay focused. You have a mission You have something that God wants you to do. And I just want you, wherever you are, I just want you to think about this. In a year that so many of us are so desperately eager to get out of so we can just have a fresh start, is there anybody right now that you can share the message of hope, the message of love, the message of truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ with today, this week, This month, this this upcoming month, today's the day of salvation. I'm telling you, the world is ripe because everything that so many people have placed their, their, their confidence in, there are so many foundations that are being shaken right now. People want something that is real. We carry that message. Lastly, as the world gets colder and darker, we will need to get brighter. Because the reality is, is that there will be a conflict that will be inevitable. It won't be everywhere. But I I just feel in my spirit that we need to take courage. As Jesus said, take courage. I have overcome the world. I really felt like two days ago when I was praying that God said, I got you and I got this. Whatever your this is, he he has you and he's got you and he's got this. Lean into God. In this time. So we need to make sure that we stand on the foundation of truth. We 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 hold on to. It. It's our job to stand in the boldness of the Holy Spirit in this hour. So with all that being said, I just want to close in prayer. We just bow your heads, close your eyes where where you, wherever you are. Jesus. I know in some ways this was inspirational, in some ways this was encouraging, in some ways this was sobering or challenging. But Father, wherever wherever we all are, Lord, I trust that your Holy Spirit has spoken what needs to be spoken to every person that has heard this. I pray, Lord Jesus, that as we move forward... Lord, we would just be mindful, we would, there would just be a, 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 a settling in our heart, even as Pastor Dwight uh, uh, said weeks ago, that we need to keep our focus on what matters most, the message of Jesus Christ and its transforming power to heal a broken world. And not only that, but our reality that we have to make the choice to stand firm in the truth of God's word, in the days to come. Father, I pray that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven, in and through us, Lord. In Jesus' name. Next week, we're going to continue by talking about what we need to do so that we become those agents of transformation to heal this broken world. We love you. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week.